0: This podcast is brought to you by the Pro Bono Institute. PBI is a nonprofit organization that supports, enhances, and helps to transform the pro bono efforts of major law firms, in house corporate legal departments, and public interest organizations in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm your host, Mihad Mansour, Assistant Director of the Law Firm Pro Bono Project. In honor of May Mental Health Awareness Month, I interviewed two Caton Pro Bono professionals, Jonathan Baum, Senior Counsel and Director of Pro Bono Services, and Janet Hoffman, Senior Counsel and Pro Bono Counsel, to hear how their firm is supporting pro bono and well being. Despite the many barriers to pro bono, of which we are familiar, including lack of time, skill set, and expertise, The benefits of engaging in pro bono support well-being in profound ways. Jonathan shared more about how being engaged in pro bono work helps you stay well and the correlation between pro bono and well-being of attorneys.
1: Well, when I found out that we were going to be having a week-long recognition of mental health and wellness in the law, I specifically suggested that we have a program on pro bono and community service because they do contribute so significantly. To well-being. So we called our program, How Doing Good Helps You Stay Well. And we had four attorneys and two business professionals talk about how pro bono and other community service contributed to their well-being. And a number of the themes that came out were how making a difference improves your mental health, how connecting with other human beings in a way that you don't typically do in a large law firm setting, Uh, both clients and and, and also with colleagues um, improves your well-being. How pursuing a passion improves your well-being. How departing from your daily routine and doing something different uh, improves your well-being. And I think probably the thing that came through the most was how good it makes you feel to be able to do good for somebody else. Um, I, t- I told the story at this program, a couple of clients that I represented a few years ago who were a, a, a black woman and her son who was in his teens. And they lived in Chicago and they frequented a uh, fast food restaurant that was part of a national chain. They went there quite often. And after a while they noticed something. In order to use the restroom at this restaurant, you had to be buzzed in. And every time a Black person wanted to use the restroom and asked for the buzzer, they were told that it was out of order. And they never saw a white person, a white customer being told that the, restaurant was, that the restroom was out of order. And so through the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, we took the case, we, we sued. We, we got them, you know, a fair amount of money and, of course, a change in the rules. But the biggest thing wasn't the money for them or for me. The biggest thing was for them was restoring some of their dignity. And that was a big thing for me. And when you get that kind of a spiritual reward, it can carry you through the boredom and the stretches, stresses and the other aspects of your life for, for a long time.
0: Janet touched on the many ways CATN is supporting well-being for employees and how pro bono is talked about as it relates to well-being, especially when employees are dealing with burnout, health, and wellness concerns.
2: One of the things that I've liked about CATN is that they've been supportive of their employees, their lawyers, and their business professionals, not just during well-being week, but for a long time. I joined CATN as a partner with the specialty working with not-for-profits in 1987. So I have a little, a few years of perspective on that. And I was part of a group that put into place um, an anti-harassment policy that that had uh, almsbutton, so you could come and talk to people if you had an issue. And honestly, more than half the people that we talked to just needed somebody to talk to about a work situation. It wasn't harassment, it was just you know, something complicated that they didn't know who else to talk to about. We also put in the ability for attorneys to work part-time and still progress to partnership or through the levels of partnership at an early age. Um, and, And I can speak personally, both in terms of my own health and the health of my twins, that the firm can be very supportive if there are family issues that come up. During COVID, the firm was very supportive of remote work. I mean, not just allowing it, but but allowing but providing IT support, providing budgets for people to buy printers or better chairs in their houses, you know, better internet, that kind of thing. But lately, during the recent emphasis on well being, they've sponsored a variety of programs that are somewhat across legal communities. There's a well wellbeing 360 initiative that's offered programming. We've focused on reducing stress and anxiety. They have a return to work plan that's very flexible. So a number of people are working hybrid, other people not so much, but more it's the business professionals or the attorney's choice rather than someone imposing that on them. And we also have an annual well-being stipend of up to five hundred dollars that we can spend on needlepoint or massages or you know, <laughs> yoga classes or or you know whatever is is appropriate. And I know Jonathan already talked about the the well-being week that they had and the programming for that. But my area of concentration pro bono is transactional. One of the things that is Particularly attractive about the transactional pro bono is that we're frequently working with organizations that are really trying to effectuate either richness of life because they're arts organizations or community providers, so they're trying to address community issues, or um, you know they may be a startup trying to resolve a difficult situation, and and to be able to bring your expertise to bear. And further, those missions can be enormously satisfying, even if what you're doing is pretty basic, you know, straightforward corporate work that you would be doing for a paying client as well.
0: Jonathan and Janet shared how interacting and engaging with pro bono clients has more of a positive effect on mental health than a negative one.
1: I think there's far more positive impact of hearing
0: those stories. Than
1: the negative can, can, get, can get some people down, and often the difficult conversations in a pro bono situation can involve working with people who have suffered great trauma, and sometimes that trauma can carry over. We have had situations over the years where some of our attorneys have decided that they can't do certain kinds of pro bono work because it is too personally traumatic for them. We've seen that particularly in the area of domestic violence. But for the most part, these conversations are uplifting ultimately for several reasons. First of all, they give you perspective on your own life, you know, where you fit, whatever you may think your troubles are, right? You you, you get perspective. They also get you out there in the real world. It can be very artificial, you know, the life and Big professional organizations and you feel like you're, you know, sort of touching the earth. And I think the most important way in which it's positive is the interaction with this other human being. One of the things we find with our pro bono clients when we see them in a clinical setting or whatever, is they are so grateful to have someone listening to their problem, even if you can't solve their problem. They are grateful that you that you took the time and, and the interest to listen. And that those feelings of those good feelings can convey back to the participating attorney and make them feel really good about that interaction.
2: You know, one of the things that I'd like to add is that one of the key skills for a lawyer is their ability to communicate. Obviously, we do a lot of writing, but we also do a lot of talking. And if the group of people that you have to communicate with is a fairly narrow band, socioeconomically or educationally, then your communication skills are targeted to those people. One of the things that happens with pro pro bono situations is that you're talking to a much broader swath of people than you would if you were just talking to the standard clients that walk in the door of a you know, major law firm like Catton. And it helps you grow as a person to be able to figure out a way to communicate a complex set of laws or a winding path to a resolution to someone who doesn't come with the background where they already know half the answer.
0: It is well known that being a lawyer is a stressful occupation and that stress can take a toll on one's well-being. Janet and Jonathan shared how pro bono work counters that stress and offers relief. I
2: think pro bono work as a kind of balance to your responsibilities. Sure, it's more work, right? Now, Our firm is generous in terms of giving billable hour credit for a certain amount of pro bono work. And if needed, more of that can be approved if we have a a generous process for that. So sometimes pro bono work isn't on top of billable work, but is a substitute for billable work. Even put that aside, I think that sometimes... What's relaxing is to do something very different, either with a different group of people or with a different result or with a different feeling of personal control and responsibility over the work. And and I think for our younger lawyers to have a client that's theirs and, and the support of senior lawyers in the firm, well, normally their schedules are pretty much controlled by the more senior people that they're doing their work for. That in of itself can relieve some of the stress.
1: One other thing I would add related to stress is the different experience that you're having. We operate a clinic with Legal Aid Chicago in the basement of a Chicago public school. We have done that for seven years and take on whatever comes in the door. And we have um, typically six or seven of our attorneys at the clinic answering questions. And it's very hard. recruit attorneys to come to the clinic the first time because of what we call the fear factor. That is, the people in a large law firm, uh, particularly more senior people, are used to feeling competent and they're afraid to be in an environment in which they might have to say, I don't know, or I'll have to look that up, or I'll have to consult with a colleague about that. This is particularly a bigger problem with more senior lawyers than with younger lawyers, because the younger lawyers know they don't want to think. But the thing that I find so amazing is, so it in a sense is a stressor, but as hard as it is to get people to come to the clinic the first time, we have never had a single attorney come to our clinic who didn't come back because it was so rewarding getting into this different environment.
2: You know, on the transactional side, we really do always make sure that the associates have a partner assigned to directly supervise them, in addition to what background and support Jonathan and I can offer. That results in our people working across offices frequently. And it's very interesting for them to meet someone from the California office, if they're from the New York office, and you see relationships build up. And I always think that relationships are great stress relievers. You know, just someone that you can Chat with about something. You know, how's your project going? Uh, oh yeah, that's a terrible person to work for. I remember him 30 years ago. You know that kind of thing. And and I do think that the the kind of support that we provide for our younger lawyers who are doing this by the senior lawyers devoting their time to help supervise and to interact really builds a sense that you're not, you know so much of a cog in a huge factory that just produces a lot of paper for big businesses.
0: Janet and Jonathan shared ways that their firm helps attorneys find time to do pro bono and create balance in their practice.
2: We've answered that a little bit in the previous questions, but I do think that that one of the key skills that lawyers gain as they get more mature is is how to juggle things you know and how to prioritize things and we also are very good about if someone's taken on something that's pro bono and they get slammed with other work they know they can come back to us and put their hand up and we'll get somebody else involved and that doesn't mean it'll take it away from them but we'll build a team so that you can hand stuff back and forth so much of the practice of law at its best is collaborative you know where, where you're really working closely with a group that you can um, hand stuff back and forth not only because of expertise but just because of the demands and the talent and the timing and so I think the pro bono experience can enhance that as well and then as we talked about different firms have different patterns but we're you know we do get billable hour credit for for a fair amount of pro bono can't
1: overestimate the importance of the billable hour credit for pro bono. In terms of what your point about, you know, how do you fit all this into your your work? But it's critical that attorneys and particularly younger associates understand that pro bono work is work for the firm. Okay, it is not firm work versus pro bono work. And obviously, the strongest manifestation of that is giving billable hour credit for the pro, for pro bono work. And as Janet said our policy is the first 100 hours a year of pro bono work uh, for all attorneys actually uh, is counted as credited for compensation purposes as billable. Uh, and that's that's a floor, not a ceiling. That's 100 hours, no questions asked. Um, but if you take on a pro bono man that's going to take 250 hours to do in a responsible way. We expect everybody to do their work, whether it's pro bono or paying, in a responsible way. And so you can uh, uh, apply for and you receive credit for two hundred fifty billable hour credit for pro bono. Because fundamentally, if a law firm says, you know, well, pro bono is a great thing, but it's something you do on your own time. If you're a young associate in a big law firm, you don't have any of your own time you know? And so it's got to be firm time. That's how you keep paying work from crowding out the opportunity to do pro bono work.
2: And because pro bono is an ethical responsibility for all lawyers, you know, it's, it's a way for the firm to say those kind of ethical responsibilities are important.
1: I just would note that I was reading a survey a few years ago of attorneys in 600 600 attorneys in different law firms, and they asked them why they did pro bono work and why they didn't. The most common answer to the question why they didn't was, I don't have time, which is, to me, a question of priorities. But the most common answer to why do you do pro bono work was not how it sharpens my skills or it helps me network or whatever. It was, it makes me feel good about being a lawyer. And I think that certainly... My experience and Janet's experience, that's why we so strongly believe that it does contribute to well-being.
0: Thank you to Jonathan Baum and Janet Hoffman for their thoughtful remarks on pro bono and well-being. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.